You guys are the official ones who never heard of a eight track. <laughs> you have to Google it on Wikipedia. You'll find it. Eight track, and then put um, cardboard. That's how it stayed playing in your car. Okay. Anyway, that's a joke, but really, uh, guys, I want to I want to do something different um, before I start the message because we've been going through the Book of Acts. Um, that song that we sung today uh, was amazing. Um, uh, having um, spirit break out. Can you um, pull up Matthew chapter 6? And I, I want everyone to uh, help me with this. During your day, during the week, the next month. It's a prayer. The disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. And sometimes when you see a song, say, what does that really mean? Well, if we're praying the word in this. If you go to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse uh, 9, Jesus said this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And here's a kicker right here. Verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many want heaven to invade earth? We want God's will done here on earth. That's a prayer. That's also that part of that song. And the Spirit of God to bring peace to our nation because our nation is going through some turmoil right now. But if you've been around long enough, it's not the first time. But one of the greatest things is the greatest opportunity for Christians to pray. So when you hear a song like that, it's just more than just a feeling. It's actually the word of God. We are asking God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is no wars in heaven. There is no racism in heaven. There is no shooting in heaven. It's only peace. And as we pray from here, we can make a difference elsewhere. Because the Spirit of God does not require, it doesn't worry about walls. It doesn't mean about the wall of division. It doesn't mean about rocks in the way. It can go through and permeate to any nation that we ask and pray. So, and the month, this, this month, just during the month, this, pray this prayer. And you know the rest of it. It's a simple prayer. But God is simple, and he wants us to pray it. And you'll see some things change. Can't call up any more military forces. You can't call the FBI to fix nothing. Law does not do anything. Only love changes a person's heart. And that's what we're asking God to bring love, even in our own city where the shootings are taking place. We want God's will here in Abilene, just like it is in heaven. Amen? I just wanted to share that with you. Okay, if you've been coming a while, we've been um, in our book of, the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 8 today. I'm not going to tell you all that we've covered because there's so much. And you can go online to thegracepoint.com, go to our media section, and you can pull out all the messages along with the notes with them. Today we're going to start in 8, but we're going to really start in chapter, chapter 1, verse 8, because we're going to go ahead and look at the theme scripture of the book of Acts. The theme scripture, they call it the thesis statement of the book of Acts. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses in where? Jerusalem? Judea and, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Last week, 
we closed out what I said in chapter 6. The time the church is stand in Jerusalem. When he saw the perfect uh, mix of lay leaders and clergy. And then we saw disciples were being multiplied inside Jerusalem and Judea. And two of those men that they picked were for the Holy Spirit, Stephen and Philip. Today we're going to talk about Philip. If you go down and you keep reading, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, was preaching. He became the first martyr. He died. But when you read chapter 7, if you don't know anything about the Bible, you can read chapter 7 of the book of Acts, and you'll discover the whole lineage of Christ through what Stephen preached, one of the greatest sermons on the planet. And he died. And then we see a new character called Saul, who's there. Who is going to try to destroy the church? And again, witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, some of the writings say this. The people were having such a good time in their churches in Jerusalem, they forgot about the rest of the scripture. Because Samaria, the next place, remember, if you've been coming for a while, those are the ones the Jews could not stand because they're half-breeds. They didn't deserve the Bible as far as they're concerned or the Holy Spirit or God himself because they're dogs. And it's a good thing to look at that because you say even God loves people we don't. And then you see the church starting in Acts chapter 8 verse 1 starts to scatter. Now the last time there's a scattering is when Jesus died and the disciples left. Well, this time the disciples stayed in Jerusalem and the people left. And when they left, they actually preached the gospel on their way out the door, which was amazing. And they go to Samaria, a place where they shouldn't go. And Philip goes into Samaria, and things are starting to break out. It broke out so well that uh, Peter and John showed up and said, how can these Samarians first get the gospel, second, receive the Spirit? They heard things were breaking out, and they showed up, and they saw that God is not prejudiced. God loves everybody, which was amazing to them. Philip was in a place, and the party was breaking out. Revival was breaking out in Samaria. Well, he was there, and then we get down to verse 26 through 40. Let's read this. Now, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. You can circle that. And there was an Ethiopian um, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all the treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked. Now, when you hear about them reading in, the old, in, the, in that time period, when you read the Bible, you read it out loud. If you ever give speeches, you always do that. You practice by speaking out loud to see how yourself sounds. Make sure you sound pretty good before you get up before people. And then he said, uh, ask the prophet, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? Circle that. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with them. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was like this. 
was this. Like a sheep that was led to slaughter, like a lamb before his shears were silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who, came, who can describe his generation? Who can describe his generation? This is Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. For his life was taken away from the earth, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does this prophet say about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And he said, what prevents me from being baptized? Now, how many here have the New King James Version that you're reading from? How many have the New American Standard Version? How many have an NIV? Is 37 in there? No. 37, that scripture now in the New King James and the New American Standard, that scripture is in, they put something in there. The reason why it's not in the NIV and the ESV, when they go back and they look at the original manuscripts from the very beginning, that's why I like about the ESV and the NIV. You learn that in Bible school. It's when they, they try to get the manuscript exact. That scripture never existed. This was a Western ad. Wasn't in the beginning of the manuscripts. This was something they added in the Western culture when they, re, when they trans, retranslated the Bible. Okay? So some of y'all will have 37 that Peter, I mean, Philip is asking him um, for salvation about do you really believe in Jesus Christ? But mine goes to 38, and he's, and he's commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Agosh, Adosh, Adosh, sorry, and he passed through and preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. One thing about this scripture as we unpack it, we'll spend a few minutes unpacking this. The name of this sermon today is called Personal Fire Power that we all walk around with, that we all who are Jesus believers have. Sometimes we don't think we have it, but we do. One thing you see, three things, the work of the Holy Spirit, the word of God, and the men of God which combined equates to personal firepower. All three of those combined, walking, first personal firepower. Now you're seeing some things. We talked in the book of Acts. In the beginning, it was a crowd, and all the people were together, and the spirit was breaking out. Now we're going down into the personal realm where most of us spend our time one-on-one with people. And Philip left the revival and went 60 miles down to a deserted place. Didn't make sense, did it? Here is the takeaway if you're taking notes. Obedience leads us to divine opportunities. Obedience leads us to divine opportunities. Because a lot of time we talk about the word obedience and the word evangelism, how heart starts to beat quickly because, well, work, I'm afraid of people. But we leave the supernatural element out of it and how God changes people's hearts. So we'll unpack this, take a couple minutes and unpack this about personal fire power. Let's look at some traits of a personal witness. 
Philip became a personal witness, was doing his thing, witnessing to the Ethiopian. The first thing of a personal witness is being obedient. Personal witness knows about being obedient because obedience leads us to a divine opportunity. Did not make sense. Now, we see that an angel told him to go down, but we can equate that today, that you're in a popular place, and then the Spirit of God just speaks to you and says, go down there where no one's at. Would that make sense? Now, I took a, a mind frames test when I was trying to figure out who I not I, we knew who I was, but as a pastor. And my, I'm a left rear thinker, which is my first one is um, order, and second one is control. And then I have a front right, which is charisma. I mean, on the left side, front left, charisma. I like order, and I like to see control. This scripture here, I have to ask him again, are you sure? Because this is a great party up here in Samaria. There's no one down there. And you know how God works. He only tells you once you get there the rest of the story. Don't you want to know the rest of the story before you go? (laughs) Well, God doesn't call us to do that. That's why obedience leads us to divine things that he already accomplished and set up. And one thing that happened, I wrote this bullet down. If we take the first step of obedience, because the hardest thing is the first step. The Holy Spirit will guide us and equip us with boldness. He had boldness, but he had to step into it to receive the orders and the boldness. It's not on our good personality. No, it's being empowered by the Holy Spirit. But the first step is always the hardest. It's like if you go into a new town, isn't the first step the hardest step? Because you don't know anybody. If God says, go to this town and, or go here and, 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 raise your, and start your life, the first step is always the hardest in anything that we do. Well, that's what obedience is. It's always the first step. Even when it doesn't make sense in our logical thinking. Because faith in God means being ready to move without explanation. When you have faith in God, you can't wait for the explanation. Abraham was told, Abraham, leave, which is familiar, and go. I can hear, where where am I going? Because he left a big city. He didn't leave one tent to go to another tent. He left a big city to go to a tent. He says, I'll show you when you get there. That's not fair. But our minds will try to reason. But faith doesn't have give explanations. It just gives promises. So the first thing you see here is, is obedience. Second one is cross-cultural, verse 27. He's going, again, he's a, not a pastor. Remember, he's a lay leader. Goes to a, a man of status, Candace's assistant, the money guy, the finance advisor, with a whole bunch of servants, and he's going to witness to him. If you look at that scripture, there's, a, there's another, there's another um, scripture that you can actually Go to in the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 5, there was a guy named Naaman, a commander of the Syrian army. And he went out and he captured a Hebrew woman and she was a servant to his wife. Well, Naaman, they say he was all, he was a mighty man of valor, but he had leprosy. And then she said, you know, there's a prophet Elisha, in Israel, that can heal you. 
And here she is, a servant girl who was not, not allowed to look at the commander witnessing to him, putting him in the position where Jesus is or where God is. It says Naaman goes down there, and he's expecting, he shows up with all this money, he shows up, and he comes to the guy, he comes to his house, to Elijah's house. He says, I'm out here. Here's Elijah. He, he, you know, you know, you're awesome when you just send your servant out to talk to this mighty man of God, a mighty man of valor. He says, go wash yourself in the Jordan River seven times. He looked, me? Now, the Jordan River was the most polluted river at that time. He says, I can go to this other place where it's cleaner. Now, you're going to go wash yourself if you want to be healed. Does that make sense? So he left, and another servant came up and said, boss, hey, this guy, he has it. he's the real deal. You need you need to go ahead and fix this. Go ahead and do it, man. So he shows up. He washes in this dirty river. And guess what? Leprosy was gone. See how obedience will take you to divine opportunities? How many times when you say, I'm this, and someone tells you something, that doesn't make sense. For me, it's not logical, and I can't control it. Very scary if it isn't orderly. I'm talking to everyone here today because on the supernatural, walking with God in the supernatural realm is beyond some time our own common sense. And he wants it that way because we would take it and own it and build a, a monument on it. So he's cross-cultural. It didn't matter. He came from Samaria. It didn't matter who he was. He was an African, African, a black man going to Ethiopia. Here he is. Again, we learned last week, a Greek Jew, witnessing to someone higher status. Can I say something? At the cross, there's no such thing as status. If you make $2 a week, you still have the same sin as someone who makes $2 million a week. At the cross, everything is even. Because when everyone is dying and they don't know Jesus, they're not thinking about the millions of dollars because it doesn't matter. So don't be afraid of people with stats. They got the same sin issues you got. And you see it played out in the news all the time. It's even at the cross. That's why you can cross cultural. Third one is they know that God has gone before them. God has set it up. Go to this guy. I set it up, and all you got to do is speak. Because most of the time we're one link in God's mighty chain of someone getting born again. Usually when someone gives their life to Jesus, grandmothers and mothers have been praying for a lot of years for that child. I know my wife, when she met me, she started praying right away. <laughs> First prayer was, Lord, don't let him kill himself, especially with that bad diet he got. <laughs> Took away my chicken. And God sets it up for us. You don't have to take ownership of it. Whenever he nudges you, say, go this way. He sets it up for you. Because there's a scripture in Proverbs. The king's heart is in the stream of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. So it was a pre-appointment. You're expected to show up. 
Because God's working through that. Do your family members that you think, of, I don't know, I don't understand. Do everyone. They don't, I don't, they don't seem like they're changing. They are. God's got you in their face by design. If he didn't care, you wouldn't be there with them. God's always moving in that area. Second one, ask questions. Start where people are. He asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? No. You know, a lot of people read the Bible when they go to hotels. They have no idea what they're reading until someone like us comes and explains it to them. World today is this. Those who are in the Islam faith, the Muslim faith, they're crying out for a Christian to sit across the table with them and explain the Bible to them. Why? And just, as I said, why don't you just tell us why you believe what you believe? And we can't because we say, well, because God said so. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> Especially with a young generation. God said what? Before, and someone said, because I said so, when you're older, because you said so. Right? When mom said, because I said so, there was no argument. Today, this is a debate. Because I said, because you said, I mean, they said so. Let me find out. That's what it's about. Ask questions. Start where they are. Start where people are. See where they are. Next one is use the scriptures. Now, you got to know the scriptures to use the scriptures. This is where it comes. This is the tough one. We can't go around for 12 years just knowing John 3.16. We got to know the scriptures. Because some people who don't even know God will, notice, will turn the scriptures on you. Like they turn it on the Old Testament. This is the most, most violent book in the planet. I said, there was a lot of grace. You got over 400 years of grace. Come on. But you got to know the scriptures. And the reason why you use the scriptures, because how many believe the scriptures are reliable? Amen. Or trustworthy? It's right here in this. Go ahead, give me Isaiah 55. For as the rain and the snow comes down from heaven, does not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth, sprout, gives, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, as we just read earlier. So shall my word that goes from whose mouth? Not my mouth, God's mouth. It shall not return to me, what? But it shall what? What? And what? Last time I checked, that's a promise. So you release the word, a seed in people's hearts. Like mine was released to me in Sunday school when I was about 10 years old. My mother did. And then that seed starts to grow and make you uncomfortable when you try to walk somewhere and try to do wrong things. You just can't go all the way because the seed keeps messing with you. Your conscience keeps, you say, what is that? I know the right from wrong. And you just, oh my gosh, I can't go all the way in because it was a seed deposited me as a young age. Don't ever, don't ever give up on the seed. If you give the seed a word, the word of seed to someone, it's going to grow. It might take immediately, but I know it's going to work ultimately. The seed. It never comes back void, empty. And it will accomplish his purpose. When you're walking with God, you got to discover his purpose, not mine. Next thing is number six, keep Jesus as the center. He explained Jesus to him. He took him from Isaiah 53, which was a tough scripture to tell out because most of the Jews, the reason why they miss Jesus coming back 
The reason why they missed him, because they were looking for some valiant warrior to take over Rome. They were not expecting a baby in a manger and a servant of man. That's why they missed it. So he took that and he brought Jesus to him. Put Jesus at the center. Meanwhile, you can't go wrong because John 14, 6 just says it so well. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I love the wording, the way, not a way. The truth, not a truth. How about this one? The life, not another life. No, the life. If you're not living with Jesus, you're not living the life. So you can't go wrong when you keep him in the center when you're witnessing. Do your testimony, whatever it is. How did Jesus change you? Because you had some friends you grew up and they said, how did he do that with you? And it's fine. Just tell them. You know what's so good about all this? It's exciting because you can't control any of it. <laughs> you can only show up. Nine-tenths of people getting evangelized is us showing up. And 80% of people get converted through conversations, not through, hey, I heard a word and I'm going to give my life. So God's asking us, when we say, um, God, I want you to change change Missouri, well, you got to ask God for a church plant there so they can show up and bring peace because there's no way it's going to happen. They'll keep it as a powder cake forever, but it just said Jesus is our peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. They will keep peace, but when you see something in Ephesians, it's a peacemaker. That's why it's so exciting, because we put ourselves on the cutting edge of helping people realize that Jesus is who they need and all they need. Second one is, number seven is, expect the response. He said, I want to be baptized. Now, expect a response. This is where we get a little nervous. How many have tried to share your faith and people got angry with you? Okay, now, I'm going to talk real to you. When you were younger, well, any age, if you didn't care about something, would you get angry about it? <laughs> don't bother me none. I mean, I li- I w- my life was lived on the subway. When people didn't care, someone fainted in the heat. You can tell. It didn't bother me none. I can care less. I wish you get this train moving. They didn't care. But when you hit a nerve, that's a good response. That means they care. You hit something because everyone you pushing this G. I didn't do anything. I just said Jesus in Jesus' name. You're pushing. I didn't push anything. I said, in Jesus' name. That's all I said. Now, if I say in God's name, oh, that's, everyone loves God. But when you say Jesus, who he said, that's going to be a trip. My name's going to trip people up. That hits a nerve. Why? Because there's a spiritual aspect of it. So when they get angry, go back again and make them more angry. <laughs> because you have a response. And you serve them. Because if they didn't care, they wouldn't have got angry. 
They wouldn't care. They wouldn't get angry. Because it's a spiritual thing. You don't understand that you have power inside of you that when you open your mouth, it comes out. And it's the Holy Spirit touching the hearts, not your voice. It's the Holy Spirit working with hearts. And you're just a container, and you deliver it. And you go home and go to bed and let that seed germinate. I got to keep going. I got to get through it. It might be a part three on this thing. Last thing is, follow up immediately. Follow up immediately like he did. Want to get baptized? Get baptized. Verse 39. If you talk to somebody, share with somebody, call them the next day. Don't let them go 48 hours without talking to them. And call them again. Because whose expectation are you waiting on? Yours or God's? Because someone prayed for you a lot of years. I used to get upset when I said, man, God, I wish they just hurry up. He said, I waited 30 years for you. Have patience. Make sense? Follow up immediately. Now, there's three things. I just told you a whole lot of things here. But there's three things are characteristics that for us to really, remember I said last week, everything we do is a motivation is love, not works. We got to love. If we don't really, you can tell if our love is cold when we don't care about society anymore. And we just care about coming to church and getting our praise on. That's when our love is going cold. It should hurt your heart that's going on, all that's going on around the world because it hurts Jesus' heart. First one is, guys, you can, we have to have a surrendered will. Amen. Philip had a surrendered will. When the uh, angel came and told him, he, he stopped what he was doing and he took off. That means I trust God in my direction. You tell me exactly how to walk, and I want to walk that way. And I'm surrendering. The first thing as a believer, we have to surrender. And I love what Billy Graham says. The will of God, when he tells you to do something, will not take you where the grace of God cannot sustain you. <laughs> he can't, he'll sustain you when he has you step out on a, on a cliff, on a, on a um, seem like you're on a tightrope. He's holding you up because he put you out here. Because you're believing him and you're following what he... That's the fun of it. You're, you're looking for some other result. He just shows up and does something else. The second thing is... Thank you. A submissive heart. You know, we have to submit to God. Our heart has to really be sold out and submissive to him. Really submitted to him. Third one is... I got to know the difference between my appetite and God's appetite. I got to hear it clearly. I got to really hear. World hears one way. I got to really hear what God is actually saying. And a lot of that takes place, everybody. Everything I told you, I gave, I gave you eight to nine, eight things. But these three things, a lot of this is going to take place in your own home, in the privacy, so you know how to surrender your will to God, how to submit. And you have put yourself in a place to just stop so you can actually hear him. Because in the presence of God, that's where direction comes. In the presence of God, that's where joy comes. And it clogs out everything else around it. And I don't look at God, the world seems to be going crazy. I say this way, God, you're using us to change the world. 
And it starts in my own household. And this is a part of church. Every, I'll give my, I'm here to tell you, we're in a perfect time where we live. Because here's the thing, guys. I just told you that he had to go out. I can bet you that you have some people in your life right now that keeps coming to you. And you say, I wish they stopped bothering me. I wish they just leave me alone. I wish I just had some peace. They're coming to you because something inside of you, that firepower is drawing them to you to give them something. We don't have to go anywhere across the street to find out whose house is a wreck. They're coming to us. So those who are coming to you seem like, I just can't get rid of them. God doesn't want you. They want to embrace them. Why don't we all stand? And what I want to do is end in a song. I'm going to end in spirit breakout. Because our walls of doubt have to fall down. Our walls of discouragement have to fall down. Our walls of shame has to fall down. Our walls of disgust have to fall down. As believers, this is the greatest time to be on the earth. And no one's too old or too young to bring change. I just listened to the World um, Global World, World Leadership Council, and they're all excited about the opportunities for the believers to, to bring peace to the nations starting in our own nation. Now, you, when you come to our church, that's the way I speak. Because I think it's more, we're more than just three songs and a sermon. I believe everyone here, the personal firepower that you walk around with needs to be enacted. When you're going to campuses, wherever you are, that's who they, God put you there. Not by, the, not by mistake. You're saying, I want to get out of this position. No, because God put you there on purpose. So if you don't like your job, start to like it. Because when you master that, he'll give you a harder one. That's how he gives you vacations. So let's just pray and worship God. Everybody just put your hands up. might seem weird. You don't have to if it feels weird to you. Father, I thank you, God. Let our walls fall down. Let us know, Lord God, that we are surrendering our will this morning, submitting our heart, and we have ears to hear what you're saying to us this morning. I pray that everyone here that, hears your, that heard your voice through me, God, you'll change. And we thank you today, God, Speak to us in such an amazing time this morning. We thank you and we bless you. Holy Spirit, come. Fill those who need to be filled. Break down the walls of our pride. Break down the walls of our doubt. Break down the walls of our apathy. And search your heart. And let us have a heart of your heart. Let us hear what you hear. Let us say what you say. And let us most of all see what you see with the eyes of faith. 
And we praise you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.